up and welcome back to Nostalgia Pod, giving you your look back at the decade with Pat Sheehan, that's me, and my co-host Dave Martin Swagger. Dave, feels like just yesterday we were uh, recording our first podcast together in my old apartment in Albany and talking about, God, what were we talking about the first, first step? The Oscars and the life of Pablo, yeah. the first two bots. Really in-depth Life of Pablo review, um, if you want to go check that out. Uh, 50 minutes or something. <laughs> yeah. If you're, uh, <laughs> if you're li- watching this on YouTube, hit that subscribe button uh, or go to soundcloud.com slash to find all the ways to put our voices in your earballs. Today, we're going to be looking back at the decade in movies and the, uh, the best movies of the decade some of the best performances, just kind of general talk about it. Before we we start talking about our list, we're going to be doing top 15s because um, uh, we just couldn't pick 10. You know, we, it, it was tough. Um, Dave, I wanted to ask you, how do you feel about this decade in movies? Good. Movies. Movies yes. are good. There's lots of good movies this year, especially recently. I felt found uh, making a short list of like, I don't know, 30 movies was pretty quick, pretty easy once you thought about it for a second. But trying to narrow it down and making a list that makes sense or has something to say about the past decade in movies was much more challenging just because there was, you know, too many to pick from. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I've, I think this is a, obviously an important decade in, in movies for a lot of reasons, obviously, as um, the box office has changed and theatrical experience has changed and just the overall appetite for uh variety in movies at a mass scale has seemed to go away even as quality movies continue to exist in all forms so yeah i think it's important to to look back and i actually found uh that i had a lot of choices from recently which is i think a good sign considering all the doom and gloom we have about the the state of the movie going experience Uh, what else what did you think about yeah really solid decade um i was surprised at just kind of looking at what made my list the genres that uh kind of dominated it there's a lot of action um mixed in with some some more auteur films uh and then also i think the ones that the the films that said something about uh society where we're at obviously those seem to resonate more with critics and things like that but um, it's a good mix, and uh, I think just so many quality movies. You know, I have uh, I have one animated film on here, another one just missed my list. Um, there's uh, there's just a lot of good content out there, and, and I think you spoke well too uh, that it's a great sign for movies with the changing landscape of how people consume movies, how people are going to theaters or or not at this point. Um, that there's just so much quality. Because looking at my list, I think I had. Uh, more from the last three or four, maybe even five years than from the, the first half of the decade. So you, you spoke a little bit to how you were formulating your list. What, what did you take into, uh, what did you take into account as you were putting this together? Yeah, I think uh, movies that, if they're a few years old at this point, movies that still kind of like stand the test of time. Like when you think about those movies, not only do you have a fond memory, but you actually would like to see them again, or you just wish you could experience that feeling. 
again when you first saw them. Uh, I think with this past decade, I don't have any studio comedies on my list or really on my short list at all. I think that kind of speaks to just the, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Nadir that studio comedies have seen in the mainstream space, you know. So I've, oh, I've always kind of gravitated towards dramas when trying to hold things up. But I think there's surprisingly a lot of movies uh, from the past decade that kind of speak to the current time where the decade has now reached, you know. And maybe we didn't see that coming when those movies came out. Um, but I think that's pretty cool. So yeah, I just, I just wanted to pick movies that I think uh, like matter now. And like, I think rewatchability is necessarily the point, you know, like I think there's a movie we'll talk about that there's just really no way you could replicate once like the surprises are gone or the twists are gone. But if the meaning still resonates, mm-hmm. I think that's good enough. So yeah, just trying to pick yeah. things that I think matter. I went about it a similar way where I, I, I wanted to highlight films that I think really are just the, the, best quality films of the decade the ones that stand out the most in my mind as being like a feat of art but also i wanted to um give credence and and also show some love to films that i think said something about the decade and said something about where movies were at 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 this time so um i think there's going to be a a couple of interesting picks that probably won't be on your list i think we're gonna have a a bit of diversity um so why, why don't we get it started dave what was number 15 for you on your list number 15 for me is burning which burning. came out just last year in 2018 was my number one movie of 2018 from lee chang dong and that's a movie that uh the the uh the twist once that twist is uh revealed to you as you watch this uh, very long methodical movie uh, i think you have just a greater appreciation for that journey you went on watching the movie and that speaks to how Burning probably doesn't have great rewatchability. I have only seen that one time last year. Um, but I think this is, this is a movie that really just kind of knocked my socks off when it first came out. And I have, I'm happy I've seen it on some lists, you know, uh, probably not necessarily this high, but um, I think this is one of those international films that has actually really started to make an impact here in the, in, you know, in the States, in the English world. Um, as people see it. So I think this is one movie that will age really, really well. And I think also has a really good chance of being one of those outside the mainstream, more independent movies that actually can like rise in stature in the continuing years to come. Again, it just came out a year ago. So yeah, burning. Number 15, burning for Dave. Number 15 for me, 2016, Jeff Nichols directed Midnight Special. Nice. I've come back to it two or three times and see Shannon, Joel Edgerton, Kirsten Dunst, Adam Driver, Jade Martell, and Sam Shepard. Uh, it's just a really, really uh, fun movie. It's uh, following the story of Alton Meyer, this, this boy with these powers um, who's uh, being chased by the government, wanting to hone his powers, figure out what's going on for him, and Michael Shannon, Joel Edgerton trying to save him and, and keep him from that, and kind of just like this, this chase thriller movie. Um, really really cool driver gives a great performance and i feel like this kind of uh continued his uh propulsion to to stardom um you know as he's really ascending now into being one of the best movie stars in in business right now and 
it, you know, in a way, it kind of feels like a bit of a predecessor to Annihilation, um, just in terms of kind of like the, the structure of the movie, but also some of the CGI, especially in that last scene with Alton, where he kind of goes over to the parallel world. And um, the, also that scene where like the con- where he take, he brings the satellite down, and it's all falling around them as they're at the gas station. There's just some really like really awesome uh, and visually stunning scenes. So movie that stuck with me probably not going to be as high on, on most lists of the year but or, or of the decade but highly recommend checking that out i think it's been on st- a bunch of streaming services too since it's released so you can definitely catch it um number 14 i had call me by your name yeah is that what you had too that's my number 13 all right so this is a good time to talk about it lucas guadagnino 2017 we we actually have a, a breakout review of this so we won't spend too much time go back and check that out maybe we'll link to it in the, the bio if we have breakout reviews of, of these movies as we go through um army hammer timothy chalamet uh i mean dave what do you have to say about this movie oh yeah this was my number two in 2017 the number one is still to come uh yeah, Call Me By Your Name really also really blew me away when I first saw it just because it's a just a romance love story, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's about gay characters without the, the self-loathing and the uh, the struggle that often seems to be frequently used when having telling stories about gay characters, you know? Mm-hmm. And obviously this movie would not be nearly as successful if it wasn't for the two leads. Uh, Hammer and Chalamet have incredible chemistry and it was awesome. Really awesome. Honestly, to see a different side of army hammer, someone who I think people had started to write off in terms of being like a serious quality actor after he kind of flamed out once he first uh, started to, you know, get attention at the beginning of the decade. And then of course, Chalamet, this is just the, you know, the coming out party, the, the, the coronation after, uh, you know, slowly rising through Hollywood as he was younger. And, uh, Chalamet as Elio, you know, really uh, sells, you know, all, all the emotion that this uh, this character goes through in that story. And this movie also was great for uh, inspiring a fair amount of medium as well. You know, uh, Army Eat the Peach. You know? <laughs> Lovely. <laughs> or film. Ar- Army Hammer dancing um, on the dance of course, floor. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's it's a movie that that breathes in, in all the right ways, and it's so stylistically. Um, just marvelous you know whether it's uh the the final scene where chalamet's staring into that fire and it's just him staring into that fire as the credits roll and sufjan stevens plays over it or them riding through the countryside of of italy um or uh you know uh on that dance floor uh just the way it's shot the colors it's the whole thing is just really marvelous and the, the story it tells about i think elio in particular and how he's um you know having this relationship that really is helping him experience love and what relationships are for the first time is just told so so well and um yeah just a really great film i hope i hope people have found it i hope people continue to find it they are writing a sequel to the movie now so um, maybe in the mm-hmm. future we will get a, a yeah. sequel movie the sequel book just came out this year yeah that's what it is so maybe in the maybe in the future we'll be getting a sequel with these two as well um what was your number 14, Dave? Yeah, my number 14 is Moonlight. My <sighs> number one of 2016. And 
you know, Moonlight, Barry Jenkins, the surprise best picture winner that year, upsetting La La Land, upsetting mm-hmm. Warren Beatty and Faye Dunaway and Jimmy Kimmel and everyone involved. Obviously, an iconic moment in movie history uh, of this decade. Yes. But <laughs> Moonlight winning was the really a special moment because it was one where everyone's like, oh, wow, the Academy got this right. And that's really no shots at La La Land, which I do have as an honorable mention for the year, you know, just mm-hmm. on, on the greater shortlist. But Moonlight, also happens to be a, a gay story, but Barry Jenkins, who had taken a while to follow up medicine for melancholy and really burst out beyond the, the, the West Coast mm-hmm. film bubble that he had been in, having Moonlight come out and really, and again, just convey emotion in such an artful way, and it really just takes you on a journey in this movie and also helps you know, put A24 on the true prestige map that we now mm-hmm. think of without, you know, a second thought with them. Um, and of course, the, the Mahershala Ali uh, breakout that people, we probably saw that coming the whole time. He'd been talented and working a lot as a character actor, but uh, truly remarkable res- supporting role here. So yeah, Moonlight. I think Moonlight's another movie that uh, they actually did quite good business when it came out for a movie of its size. But again, it's just a movie that's going to continue to rise in estimation as more and more people see it and as we get further removed. So Moonlight was my number two um, for oh, the shit. decade. Let's yeah. go. Yeah, Barry Jenkins, man, um, has definitely become one of my favorite filmmakers um, since I discovered this movie. Just the way he tells stories and the way he, he uses lighting uh, to create movie, and especially a movie like Moonlight, which is a story about it's a it's a story about black people which is uh i think a, a trend of the decade that uh was a very positive trend that a lot more black stories have been told in this past decade and there's a lot more black filmmakers telling black stories um but this is this is a story about a black gay male which is not uh not a lot of stories that you see that get a lot of mainstream popularity or, or buzz and the way he tells a story, almost like a play with three acts as, you know, the, uh, the young Chiron, the, the teenage Chiron, and the adult Chiron. Um, and the way that he tells the story is just so beautiful, whether it's, uh, you know, seeing Chiron and dealing with his mom played by Naomi Harris uh, and her drug addiction and how that leads to her neglect of him and how that impacts him. And he really turns to Herschel Ali, who's, this you know a drug dealer within this community but also a father figure to him and how he expands his his view of the world by um, spending time with this person who who cares about him or as a teenager how, how tortured he is based on you know i think dealing with his sexuality dealing with the system he's in dealing with the lack of support he has in his life and leading to that that breaking point moment where he breaks the chair over the bully's head or then as an adult where he's like almost like put on this suit of, of, of muscle armor, so to speak, to protect him from the lack of protection he had growing up. But underneath it, when he connects with uh, Andre Holland's Kevin again, it kind of melts away and all those things come back. And there's so many visually beautiful moments. Um, I mean, even the background, the, the poster you have where you see all three of them, the lighting the the scenes I think especially between uh, Trevante Rhodes and Andre Holland where they're just kind of like these weathers in there uh, talking back and forth and mm-hmm. you just like feel the so much sitting between them yeah it's it's masterful so um, just a 
an amazing movie all around and uh, definitely one of the best of the decade for for many, many reasons. Check out Moonlight. I think most people probably have or at least are interested in it at this point. Dave, you've gotten... Oh, wait, no, I'm, I'm on to my third team, right? Correct. Mine was Call Me By Your Name. Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. We have a breakout for this one. Um, I'm not going to spend too much time, but this is the only animated movie that makes sense on my list. Um, 2018, uh, a solid year for for um, superhero movies, I would say, in general. But mm-hmm. Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse took the cake. And it, there's an argument that this is the best superhero movie of the decade. Um, but mostly I picked this because uh, I think it really showed what superhero movies can be especially animated superhero movies the the style of the animation was so unique and captured some of that comic book feel throughout um it brought in a a diverse cast which i thought was fantastic and it had sentimental value it had humor and probably one of the the best movie moments of the decade in the the leap of faith um so you can you kind of mix all this together. Spider Man into the Spider Verse. My number thirteen, Dave. Your number twelve. Yes, my number twelve is Mad Max: Fury Road. Came out in two thousand fifteen. The long in development George Miller, Mad Max sequel. In name, not not like a direct sequel in terms of you need zero knowledge of the past three Mad Max films to appreciate Fury Road. And ultimately, Fury Road just boils down to the best car chase movie perhaps ever. And certainly I think the best action movie of the decade It's just the best stunts, the best editing, the best visuals. And there's other action movies I like, like Mission Impossible Fallout, Edge of Tomorrow, Cruise had an excellent decade for that stuff. But I think what Fury Road does is just everything it's setting out to do, it achieves. Like there's nothing, nothing really wrong with Fury Road, just this incredibly thrilling movie. And if you want to look deeper and see the feminist uh, angle to it with uh, Furiosa and the other like uh, female characters that were being saved, you can. Um, you can look at this for, for, for class. You can look at this just for fun, fun action. Whatever you want this movie to be, it can be. And the fact that it's a balls-to-the-wall car chase movie at the same time, it's kind of kind of remarkable you just made a great case for why this is my best movie of the decade dave holy shit number one yep yeah you had my one and two didn't mean to steal them so fast no it's fine man um (laughs) i'm just i'm just glad that they're in your your top 15 honestly yeah i mean when you whenever you can get charlize theron with with one arm you know uh, leading this car chase across the desert um with tom hardy wearing a mask barely talking being his weird Tom Hardy self. Um, and then there's obviously the, 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 the effects, the, the scenery, the, like you said, the underlying um, uh, plot, uh, plot points and, and themes. It's, it's just, just a really, really great movie. And the fact that this, like you said, was in development hell since pretty much 1997. And it finally got made almost 20 years later. And it was this good. Um, this is also probably one of the most rewatchable movies on the list. Uh, I've seen this on TV probably six or seven times in the last year or two. And every time I have to sit and watch 
for at least 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a movie that's hard to pull away from. It's just thrilling from beginning to end pretty much. And yeah, uh, I, I have nothing bad I can say about this movie. And for that reason, number one on my list. Um, I, I'm getting a chance to talk a lot. So you're going you're gonna to get to drive it home because I have number 12, which I know is not on your list. Minding the Gap. Uh, I was here. <laughs> documentary from <laughs> documentary from 2018 um it was on my my best of the year last year i don't remember where i had it. i think it was their number one or number two um bing lu his first documentary um telling the story about him and his friends and and you know it starts off as a skateboard movie and about how these kids turn to skateboarding to help them deal with the perils of life and pretty quickly it turns into a movie about classism uh, manhood, relationships, uh, masculinity, race. Um, it's incredibly thought-provoking. There's a couple of scenes, one in particular in the second half where uh, Bing does this amazing job editing together all these different parts of their lives as one of their friends has this monologue about just like life and being a man and um, really drives home, I think, the point that the, the capitalist system of of class kind of keeps people within these pet these unhealthy patterns of relating and feeling hopeless and um i think it it works on so many different levels and it's just incredibly moving um definitely recommend you see it specifically dave but if others haven't i think i think you can get a lot out of it number 11 dave what do you got number 11 for me is get out Ooh, my number seven. Hell yeah, 2017, right? Yeah. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Being of the year. Another movie that uh, when you watch it for the first time, not knowing the true meaning of the movie, you just think it's some kind of horror thriller. Mm-hmm. Uh, once that bubbles burst, the movie just takes on a whole new, whole new meaning in your mind. And what that might hurt the rewatchability of it for some people, uh, I found this movie fantastic for a few reasons, specifically to me. This is a movie that at least presents itself as a horror movie, and I, I don't watch mm-hmm. most horror because I don't like the like, I don't like the, the scary aspects of horror. It's not something I like in my film going experience. Yeah, this movie is really more of a thriller. But the, I mean, I mean, everyone knows at this point the overall social commentary at the heart of Get Out uh, is not only so poignant mm-hmm. and so. Uh, accurate to the time but it managed to this movie managed to get that commentary into the general lexicon of our society with phrases like the sunken place and and the various memes and i would have voted for obama for a third term if i could have right exactly for <laughs> Riley Whitworth. there's a skewering of yep. liberals is kind of the next stage of this that had, had not really been done in a, in a mainstream way and i mm-hmm. think getting that message across as effectively as Jordan Peele does in this movie is really the true, you know, the, the true, true, true uh, trophy for it. So yeah, get, get out, get out. It's uh, fucking mind blowing. And again, I've only seen this movie once, but I just have such a great appreciation for it. Where are them keys, Rose? Um, yeah. I mean, so this movie did a couple of things, right? Um, it propels Jordan Peele into basically becoming the modern day Hitchcock in a lot of ways. I mean, I don't think there's any way us gets made without, get out first um and us will probably appear close to if not on my top 10 list for this year um it 
propels Daniel Kaluuya into becoming one of the premier actors in Hollywood. Um, gets him really on his, his rise to stardom. Um, gives Lakeith Stanfield some shine um, outside of Atlanta, which had just premiered at this point. Um, and then you kind of put, as you put very nicely, all the, the themes and all the, the, the meta commentary in this movie. And then you just make a really entertaining film. I mean, it's, uh, it's funny at points, you know, especially with the friend who's a TSA agent and comes to save the day. Um, it's incredibly, yep. It's incredibly creepy at points. Um, you know, especially when he goes into the sunken place or when, you, you see like the grandfather running around in the, the groundskeeper's body. Um, it, it's just, it's a fun, but thrilling and, and spooky at times film that really uh, did so much for just society and culture in general. So um, yeah, get out deserves to be top 10. I'm, I'm glad that you at least had it up there. I know you're not a scary movie guy. So I was actually a little surprised even made your list. Um, that was your number 11. Correct. Number 11 for me, Skyfall. Ooh, Sam Mendes. Good one. Uh, yeah, Daniel Craig and Javier Bardem. I mean, that's, and Judy Dench, I guess, as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, Ray Fiennes and uh, Naomi Craig Harris. Cass. Yep. But when it, when it really comes down to it, Daniel Craig and Javier Bardem are the movie, especially Bardem. It, it, has there ever been a better Bond villain than him? I mean, he throw back to some of the classical guys, but he's right up there. Yeah, Skyfall's <laughs> the, you know one of the the, be- the best Bond movies in very long time yeah. at, at worst. People people can say Casino Royale, and sure, I think that showed what the Craig and and grittier Bond movies can be. But this this perfects them. You know, it, you start off with Bond, uh, you know, take the shot. Bond getting killed at the beginning of this, so I'm speaking, then rising from the dead and all the commentary about country and patriotism and uh, mothers and sons and being, uh, being uh, abandoned. And it's just a really, really delightful film. And for a Bond film, which I don't usually think about the, the commentary behind a Bond film, I feel like Mendez really brought so many of the themes to the surface in such a great way. And so many awesome action, action scenes, you know, there's a, there's the the shootout in the beginning or in the chase onto the, the train. There's the, the train falling through into the, the the tunnel in the bottom. There's the, the court or courtroom scene shootout. Then the final one at the end at, at Skyfall. So um, just really, really wonderful. There, there's some parts to this film that aren't perfect. And uh, you know, it, Ben Wishaw is this amazing hacker, but <laughs> still doesn't understand how he gets hacked or just clicks on emails and is like, Oh man, now they're hacking me. It, that that part doesn't always work, but overall, <laughs> uh, I, I this is one of my my favorite f- films of the decade, and again, another very rewatchable film. All right, top tens, let's do this. What do you got? Number ten oh, right, for Skyfall two. That was on my uh, greater short list as well, uh, so yes. was on my mind as well. Uh, number ten for me is Arrival from Danny Villeneuve. Ooh, obviously uh, tough. To pick from him, he had an excellent decade, one of the best enemy prisoners, Sicario, Arrival, Blade Runner 2049. And it kicks off 2020 really fast with Dune. Um, and it came down to Sicario or Arrival for me. And 
Sicario just had to had to get cut and put on the list because I think Arrival is important because it's sci-fi and I love sci-fi. That's no secret. But Arrival really is a movie that just happens to be a sci-fi movie. It happens to be a movie with aliens. That's not the point of the movie. And the non-linearity to it and the overall, I think, just message of um, you know, acceptance and belief in like purpose and stuff you know it's really quite a heady movie and of course amy adams is fantastic and it was actually really cool to have denny uh step back from his collaborations with deacons just to showcase somebody new in this case bradford young who we know has really started to take off since this so yeah arrival i think arrival you know 2016 not not a underrated movie not an underseen movie by any means but i think sometimes it's a little forgotten when we think of um like the smart genre movies of the past 10 years. Yeah. Arrival came in at number three for me. You you spoke to most of the points I had written down here. I think the thing that I've found though, is I've come back to arrival a couple of times since I saw it. And every time I I find something new, um, every time I, I am taken back by just the, the stunning uh, scene, scenic views, you know, where you have like the the ship kind of hanging over these very broad shots um and adams's performance is just one of the uh, i think premier performances of the decade and yeah uh arrival is just a delightful movie and uh definitely going to be something i rewatch multiple times just because i i enjoy it every single time um number 10 for me i'm i'm interested in your reaction avengers endgame the russo brothers no, not, so not, not, not when here. you think about this decade, right? <laughs> when, when you think about this decade, it's been dominated, especially the box office, by superhero movies. Um, and right. Marvel, in particular, uh, has built a, a a plan and weaved these stories together so that all of these superheroes come together to to fight a big green or a big purple furry, not really that furry blob uh, of muscle and Man, the fact that they were able to build it up to this and pull off this this film with so many characters, give the the main characters we've been following for over a decade um, some really satisfying, fan-fulfilling moments, um, and to make a really entertaining movie that uh, people went back and saw multiple times, um, that I think had payoff multiple times, um, had some of the the most memorable theater going experiences for people who saw it in the opening weekend. People were cheering like they were at a goddamn sporting event um, for the last third act of the movie. It's it's just an achievement, and I think I wanted to have something on this list that kind of encapsulated what superheroes meant. I know I already talked about um, Spider Man into the Spider Verse, but when you think about what Marvel did this decade, I think you had to put something on there and Black Panther was close, but I think for what Avengers Endgame did is a, a movie achievement being the highest grossing movie of all time, probably soon to be dethroned by Star Wars. Um, pretty, pretty incredible. So needed to give a shout out. What do you got at number nine, Dave? Number nine for me is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Obviously always challenging to pick a movie from the last year in the decade to put on the best decade list. But 
you know, I have this as one of the best Tarantino movies ever. We have a very extensive review of the movie from when it came out in July. So you can check that out for the greater thoughts. But I think what's on Hollywood really has stood out to me and stayed in my mind since seeing it because I mean, some obvious things, obviously the, the incredible attention to the de- period detail of 60s LA that you'd expect from someone as meticulous as Quentin Tarantino. That's pretty obvious. But what really just continues to blow me away is how we have this movie. And I mean, it's spoilers, but it actually is a movie that's meant to honor Sharon Tate when you think the whole thing is going to be a spectacle about her death. And the whole, this, the whole story about how Sharon Tate was more than just someone who got grizzly murdered, unfortunately. You know, she actually had a lot more to give to the world. And it's a shame that we only think about uh, how she got killed and who her husband was. That, that really just really sticks with me. I think that's an amazing message. And along the way, you have all these amazing moments with Rick fucking Dalton and Cliff Booth and Margaret Qualley and, and you know, the amazing cast that is in this movie. And it's just so enjoyable. But I, I, what really stands out to me, of course, is that it actually, at the end of the day, had a really, I think, warm and heartfelt message. So, yeah, it's funny to say that about a Tarantino movie, but I think that's what makes it one of his best, you know. But only yeah. he could have done this. Definitely the most sincere Tarantino movie. It comes in at number four on my list. God, um, I'm just taking these off the top from you. It, it's funny. <laughs> I'm interested to see what you have in your top because I expected to see Once Upon a Time in Hollywood up there. Um, I, I rewatched this film on a cross country flight recently. I recently gave some thoughts on this podcast about long films. It's a pretty long film. And uh, I didn't get to quite finish the film. And all I've been thinking about is how I want to go back and rewatch this movie and see the ending. And I think the fact that um, every tell Tarantino himself was having fun, fun with this movie, whether it's sprinkling in all of the, the little references from the, uh, the, the Mr. Wolf's dog food to the, uh, who wants fried sauerkraut line uh, being the, the director of one of the Italian Western films. Um, he just had a great time with this film and it was nice to see Tarantino having his signature moment at the end with a really grisly, brutal, brutally violent uh, scene of killing the, the man family at the end, but still having probably just making it a joy to watch. It's, it's really what makes cinema great. I feel like, um, and for that reason, number four on my list, uh, I also get to talk about my number nine, which I'm assuming is somewhere on your list. Inception, Christopher Nolan, 2010. You got this on your list? You did it. I did what? That's my number one. Yeah. (laughs) Woo. Um, Yeah. I'll let you vamp on this a little bit more, but but I'm just going to read through the cast here real quick. We got Leo DiCaprio, Joseph Gordon-Lovett, Ken Watanabe, Marion Cotillard, Ellen Page, Tom Hardy, Killian Murphy, Tom Tom fucking Berenger and Michael Caine. Um, and yeah, I mean, visually, this movie is probably one of the most memorable of the last century. You know, the, the, when they're building the cities and you see the city move onto its side. Um, it's confusing, but in all the best ways. And I think for a concept that is so like unique and it's hard to follow at points it really does such a good job of really making it not feel all that that hard to follow and um i think leo's giving one of the best performances of the deck of the decade um you get to see 
Tom Hardy not wearing a mask and just being a movie star for a little while, which is a mm. lot of fun. Yeah. And just uh, still on the rise at that time. Yeah. It's just overall an amazing movie. I want to hear, uh, want to hear what made this your number one though. Yeah. Oh, and speaking of the cast, Pete Postlewaite is also in this one of his mm. last few roles, you know, and I think it's actually a quite memorable one from his late period. Um, yep. Yeah. The thing about Inception and, you know, I mean, Nolan needs no introduction, but I think the thing that's always annoyed me about the discourse around Inception is people always just flock to lazy points about it being confusing or not adding up. And mm-hmm. I think the, the, the whole plot of Inception is honestly really easy to follow if you just watch the movie. I, I don't find it that hard. I, I think it's, it's pretty much an A to Z thing. Um, now, the meaning and the ending, it's only up to interpretation. And personally, I, I find that, yeah, I, I find that as a positive. Um, I don't need my hand held for everything. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, as you mentioned, I think I think this is a movie that really balances action and drama in way few movies can. Like the reason I have this much higher above Mad Max, Mad Max has the action down, but the character moments that you get in Inception that happen to be served by this amazing cast re- really, really resonate. And you know, I just think the overall arc of the movie is really great. And it was also actually, I, I was really happy to see Ken Watanabe and have another uh, great, great chance in Western cinema again. You know, I mean, he kind of been typecast, at least domestically, as, you know, uh, grizzled old Japanese guy in war movies. And then we have him actually have this amazing role in Inception, just being a guy, playing <laughs> off Leo, of all people. It's awesome. Uh, so yeah, I think this is the best Christopher Nolan movie, and yeah, it's my best way. I mean, it came out in 2010. You know, I think people kind of forget that yeah. Inception is this decade, and um, 2010 movies were very different. But yeah, this this is uh, this is I think the crowning achievement of Christopher Nolan, and this is you know it, I think it's just it's just an impeccable film. Yeah, there's so many like memorable moments just thinking about it. Whether and and lines too, whether it's Tom Hardy. You know, you don't don't dare to dream a little bigger, darling. Um, or uh, Joseph Gordon Lovett with Ellen Page, when he's like, "Here, give me a kiss," and then she was like, "Did it work?" He's like, "Yeah, it's worth a shot." <laughs> you know, or uh, um, even the, the the first line of the movie, but the one that kind of is the through line for the emotional parts, which is, you know, you're waiting for a train. Um, just all those those moments, uh, I think, really make this such a, a fantastic movie. You, you made a great case. I kind of wish it was a little higher on my list now. Um, all right, so. Did you give your number nine already? I'm losing track. Yeah, that's Hollywood. Okay, eight, eight for you. Eight for me. Another new one, Parasite on Jun Ho. Um, again, it's hard to keep pick movies that are very new. That's why I had Parasite in Hollywood in the back half of top ten. Certainly willing to move these up once I'm farther removed. But I thought it would be prudent to at least have them a little farther down, just because I haven't seen been with me enough but parasite again i have a a non we have a non-spoiler review i've seen it you haven't uh i think parasite so you say uh (laughs) parasite's a movie that when you go in watching it you're expecting one thing and you start getting that thing and it's being given to you an amazing way and then something happens in the movie and it totally shifts your expectations for what you're seeing on its head while still building on that first thing you were being given and it's 
one of the most impressive constructions of a movie I've ever seen. And I still think about it a lot. And I can't wait to see it again. And Bong Joon-ho, we're hoping, has a very nice long awards run that's starting to kick off right now. Um, and I mean, heck, this is my second Korean movie in the top 15. But mm-hmm. I think pa- Parasite also has incredible pulpy nature to it. It has amazing humor. And the performances are incredible. And there's just so much to like about Parasite. And then you can also just appreciate Bong's just mastery of directing. Again, this is a guy who shot lists everything to, uh, sorry, storyboards everything to the point where his actors call his storyboards mango or comic books. And he literally only films the scenes he's using. There's no excess film. There's no coverage shot. Like the whole process of how Parasite is made is just a mind-blowing enterprise. And then you actually watch it and you see that it was all worth it because this singular vision that Bong has had from the beginning is so expertly and precisely realized. So Parasite is my number eight and still my number one movie of 2019. I'm looking forward to seeing it tomorrow and uh, hopefully it would, it will, I'll be able to revise my list very quickly. I'm hoping it's <laughs> that good. Um, number eight for me is John Wick. This make your list. It did not. It, this was um, not, to, not quite on my short list, but it was on my like influence influential slash important list the same way Endgame was. Yeah, I'm thinking I'm back. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it really, if you think about it, what the last, what, half of this decade had been a bit of a Keanu stance, if you will, and yeah. uh, this really this kicked is, it off. Certainly. Um, I mean, a, a movie, uh, small budget, um, really just came out of nowhere to grab the zeitgeist and uh, make one of the most popular and um, profitable action franchises of the decade. And um, it, you know, it has some really great performances, mostly Keanu Reeves playing this silent um, tortured assassin who just wants to be out of the assassin game and keeps getting pulled back in. Um, but man, it, the, the way that this just, grabbed the culture i mean uh from the line i just said to people talking about what they would do if their dog was killed to um you know all the gifts all the memes about it it's um it's just a really great movie underneath all of that where it's the action it's it's uh the style of action is really fun to watch and and really kind of puts you right in the middle of things and Keanu, you know, getting um, to do something else, which is nice. Uh, Willem Dafoe playing a nice little bit role in this as well. And Ian McShane just being absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> so um, yeah, John Wick, well, one of my, one of my favorite movies of the decade and definitely most rewatchable for me or one of the most rewatchable number seven for you, Dave. I just want to ask, is that your favorite John Wick? Like it's the most important of them, but that's that your favorite of the three. I, number two is pretty fun too i think two is my favorite uh, to be honest i think that's the best one yeah i think I, I think two might be the best one i think for like you said the the influence that one had that's why i made my list over two right. but yeah two two with the the whole scene with him in common and le- ending up into the, Fuck the yeah. hotel in italy the i think it is oh. yeah go for it what's your number uh number seven i'm not fucking leaving 
Uh, <laughs> number seven is the Wolf of Wall Street from Martin Scorsese. Scorsese has been on the mind for good reason with The Irishman. Check our review out on that. Another movie that would make the greater shortlist for me, but I had enough 2019 movies that could not justify having another. Um, the Wolf of Wall Street, which came out in 2013, somehow six fucking years ago, uh, in Christmas time that year. Another movie that is incredibly enjoyable to watch all the way through, whether it's the first time or the 30th time. You can just watch any scene you want and just be entertained. Amazing quotes, a stacked cast, but I think most importantly, has aging like a fine wine because it's just skewering Wall Street in a way that's only more appreciable by the day and just showing the kind of shitty people that are in our society. And it, you know, the, the, the discourse in the beginning about this being a pro Jordan Belfort's comebacks like him was obviously ludicrous. And I think you watch that now, it's just so obvious. Um, perhaps the best Jonah Hill performance. Um, I wouldn't say the best Leo. Oh my God, Leo, I was going to say that. Leo is incredible. And of course, this is our Margot Robbie uh, breakout, and she's great. I was laughing when you brought it up because I was just thinking about all the ridiculous Jonah Hill scenes, whether it's him like fucked out of his mind on Quaaludes, just jerking off in the middle of a party to. Um, running around and screaming with his little Jewish accent all the time. Steve Madden. Uh, <laughs> I mean, yeah, we grew up together. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's just so good. And um, it, it didn't make my, my list. It's definitely up there. It was probably in 15 to 20. Um, you know, I, I think I, what you said about the, the initial response around the movie, people were like, oh, this is glorifying these horrible people. Uh, no, uh, this does what pretty much every, uh, Scorsese movie does he makes a really entertaining movie about really crappy people because it's so entertaining you think he's glorifying it so just because you like something doesn't mean that the commentary of the movie's trying to or the point the movie's trying to make is right definitely uh, a worthy pick my number seven was get out so Dave give me a number six. Oh, okay my number six is whiplash not ah, my number five my tempo almost there <laughs> almost you're, you're what was it you're dragging as you say it? dragging um, dragging <laughs> uh obviously Whip- whiplash is the second movie from damien chazelle but the first one most people saw 2014 and similar to get out uh an immediate f- flag raised to all for all to see that we have a new master filmmaker here who's going to be in our lives for decades to come. And Damien in Whiplash uh, really shows just a, a mastery for like frenetic storytelling with the filmmaking. And Whiplash, it, it's a very modest made movie and a very small scale story, but just has an energy that is really hard to match, especially for a story like this. And, of course, J.K. Simmons wins Best Supporting Actor for an incredible performance. Um, I think this is a movie that really resonates, especially with people that can relate to it in, in high-pressure uh, fields, especially in art. Um, we also got to see that Miles Teller was more than just the guy who brought the drugs in Project X, mm-hmm. um, which is awesome. But I think Ultimate Whiplash, it, it just has a unique energy that now we, we can now associate with the filmmaking style of Chazelle that this is, you know, this is one of those legends in the making. And Damien's had quite the interesting career so far, of course, with La Land and First Man. And we know he has another movie coming up with Emma Stone. But yeah, I think Whiplash is another movie that just is aging like a fine wine. And when you watch this, you watch moments of this, maybe if it's a little uh, 
not as fresh in your mind anymore. And you'd be like, oh, wait, yeah, this is just a special, a special form of storytelling. So yeah, Whiplash number six for me. Yeah, that, that scene that you, you let off your, your very well said review with is the scene that really, I think, propels what this, this movie into, oh shit, this movie is fucking awesome. Uh, when he's like, not quite my tempo. And then he kind of keeps going at him. Are you rushing or are you dragging? Like, do you know the fucking difference? It's just like, it, it goes from being this, you know, this like hardened uh, conductor who, you know, you think is just going to help this kid find uh, his greatness to being like, oh, this is going to be like some, some brutally psychological, like mind fuck of uh, what, what obsession does to people. And um, yeah, Chazelle just like, comes on the scene and you're like god damn like this person knows how to make a movie and um obviously makes probably three for the decade has three of the most impressive movies you know first man not quite the quality of la la and whiplash but still incredibly good really balls out in this and i I don't think he's had a performance quite as good since this but still um had some some fun performances this decade and man, you think about that, that Sealers playing for him in that like off school band, uh, band and has that like amazing solo and just takes over the performance and they like start jiving again. You kind of see what he was going for the whole time. Just a really, really uh, memorable movie scene. And uh, I actually rewatched this, I think, earlier this year and held up just as good for me as it did then. So uh, worthy pick. That was my number five. As I said, number six for me. Social Network, David Fincher, 2010. Where'd that fall on your list? Number two, Social Network. Had a feeling it would be up there. Jesse Eisenberg, Andrew Garfield, Timberlake, Army Hammer again. Um, also, isn't Brie Larson um, like the one of the college girls that Justin Timberlake is like sleeping with in the beginning? Who was that? I know. Uh, was it a? Uh... And Brenda Song was one of them. Uh, you said Rooney Mara. That's the main girlfriend. Is yeah. Brie in this? I don't remember. I had to watch uh, it again. Um, I haven't seen it in quite some time. But yeah, Social Network. I mean, this is Fincher probably at his best. And Fincher has made some excellent films and, and TV as well. I have a feeling we'll at least be mentioning Mindhunter on our best shows of the decade pod, um, which was also going to be quite a stack. Uh uh, review or breakdown but yes yeah, so when you think about the social network and how it has even um it's even become more relevant as the decade has gone on and facebook has faced all the the privacy issues that it's currently uh in the news for pretty much every single day um it, a couple things stand out i mean the style of this film and the pacing of it you know and telling a story that i don't i don't even know how interesting it is but really making it incredibly interesting um he gets performances out of eisenberg garfield and and army hammer that really propel them into the the mainstream acting uh premiere acting uh like stratosphere i mean garfield goes on to was he already spider-man at this point or he did he become spider-man after i think yeah 2012 i think was the amazing spider-man yeah so this this helped him get there yeah eisenberg goes on to very briefly appear as uh, Lex Luthor. Um, and obviously we are, we talked about Army Hammer, um, but he, he made some very big movies and also some very small, but excellent performances this decade. And then you have uh, 
Atticus Ross, Trent Reznor, uh, propelling them themselves into the the mainstream score making right. <laughs> game and on top of it it just fincher's style with the story of this this jackass who steals this idea and creates one of the most influential uh technology advancements of the decade uh, uh fascinating stuff and beautifully told and incredibly rewatchable why was it your number two though dave i think the girl you were thinking of was dakota johnson i see her listed on the cast yeah so she may she might be who you're thinking of um yeah Mm -hmm. i mean this is the best justin timberlake has ever been acting and the best role eisenberg's ever had Uh, i wouldn't say it's the best garfield i think garfield's definitely the most talented of that group um perhaps under the silver lakes is best one i'm not sure Mm -hmm. but either way another movie that continues to age well because just our understanding of the the story continues to get fleshed out as you said with facebook being the news all the time and aaron sorkin who i love but is not everyone's cup of tea sometimes when he gets uh uh maybe in his own way with his stylings fincher is able to rein him in in the best possible way with this movie mm-hmm. and honestly it really illustrates the special kind of scumbag the unique kind of scumbag that is mark zuckerberg and you see it from how the genesis of facebook happens and then obviously how he takes control of the company as the movie progresses and justin timberlake's energy that he brings as sean parker is probably the most important part of the movie because i think that's what really helps elevate the story as the plot progresses and again just really crazy that it was really jt having the star power to bring into a character who in the story has a star power no one else invo- around has. Um, we also have Army Hammer showing up as the Winklevoss tins. Um, he looks exactly like them. It's honestly uncanny, uh, but also cool to see him. Uh, yeah, but like Wolf of Wall Street, Social Network's a movie that just is only more relevant and only more enjoyable to look back on and see the meaning of the movie. And I hope... Like there's rumblings, hard to know how much it is, but I hope that like they make a sequel. You can recast it if you want, but just write a sequel to this because there actually is material to do it, and it doesn't really have to even feel like it's connected to this movie at all. But I think Sorkin would be uh, happy to do so. So we'll see if that happens. But yeah, Social Network number two for me. Uh, we've we've actually now talked about every movie on my list. So Dave, you get to Damn. you get the floor for the last couple. All right. So that means I have okay. I, I only have three left. All right. Mm-hmm. All right. So number five for me is where is it? Number five for me is the best sci-fi movie of the decade. <sighs> Ex Machina. Mm-hmm. Early A twenty-four gem. Alex Garland proving that he is truly a renaissance man now now showing casing himself as a director um the movie that brought us alicia vikander mm-hmm. and the queen right the queen the, she got nominated for the danish girl this very same year and another meme movie where we have uh, oscar isaac dancing and whatnot and i think one of the more widely seen lead roles from donald gleason early on but ultimately it's a really cerebral movie which is what we expect from alice carlin watch annihilation you can watch a review on that same thing and ex mahina i think just another movie that has a very unique energy 
And when you take that energy and you combine that, that energy brought from the director, similar to Barry Jenkins' Moonlight. And then we have A24 bringing a special type of visual style to the movie. This is one that has not that many sets, mainly indoors, but those sets are really memorable and they really have a great way of working with the camera to really influence the type of meaning and mood that the movie wants to convey. So another movie I think just ages really well. Um, honestly, I think it's rising in people's estimation constantly. You'll see this uh, on Twitter right now. People say uh, their lists and there's always Ex Machina in the, in the replies with like 100 likes. You know, like mm-hmm. People are riding for Ex Machina. I think that's for good reason. It's just, uh, you know, it's, it, it leans way into the genre, but ultimately, again, like Arrival, it's not really about the genre. It's about something else, and that's what makes it so special. So Ex Machina is my number five. <laughs> Great pick. Just a awesome movie. It's on my honorable mention. Um, just we, we really stand for this movie when it, it hit the Oscars that year. And uh, yes. remember uh, when it got the uh, best visual effects Oscar, we were like, hell yeah. Like, that was a prediction yeah, you made. Uh, I'll take the credit for that all day, Dave. But give me your number four. Yes, right. Number four for me is my number one movie of 2017 Lady Bird yeah. Greta Gerwig Sarah yeah. Ronan you know the thing um, just a perfect movie watching experience a movie that is relatable to any level of generation watching the movie for completely different reasons you have the people that were Greta Gerwig's age growing up in Sacramento at that time who have those Dave Matthews musical memories. You have people that are older, the parents like Laurie Metcalf's character and Tracy Letts and having seeing how they can relate to the story. People like me and you who were not in high school in 2002, but can still kind of relate to the mood and, and, and the feeling that Lady Bird is showing in the movie. Um, yeah, it's, I think, another movie that continues to uh, age really well. Um, when we look back at the Oscars, we'll be like, yeah, Get Out and uh, Lady Bird. Th- those are the ones. And <laughs> neither one won Best Picture. <laughs> Tough stuff. Water, um, right? But, uh, yeah, I, I, it's uh, it just, just lovely. And, yeah. yeah, I don't know what else to say. Uh, are you worried that this is going to quickly become the second best Greta Gerwig movie of the decade? Uh we're, you mean like you think Little Women's gonna take the crown? Um, yeah, dog. <laughs> and that and that that would be truly impressive because ultimately it's an adaptation. You know, mm-hmm. I'm yeah, not worried but... about that. That's that's a positive <laughs> to me because Lady Bird is fucking right there, man, at the top. So, yeah, it's it's fantastic. It's a, it's a good one. Probably an oversight on my list because uh, the way it it kind of establishes Gerwig is probably the one of the best female movie makers in, in Hollywood at this point is uh, just phenomenal. And your number, number three in the last we will be talking about, and then we'll review and talk about honorable mentions. That's right. Number three is the master from Paul Thomas Anderson, 2012. I think it's the best PTA movie of the decade. He also had an Aaron vice and phantom thread. So it's high bar. And the master is a movie that I think the meaning and the message are are challenging to grasp and i don't think you need to grasp those that though to understand it or appreciate it or or be marveled by it similar to inception to me um the best i think this is the best walking has ever been this is when he should have won best actor but he didn't Mm -hmm. and also another movie that really shows the 
the the magic that was Philip Seymour Hoffman, you know, one of his last great roles before he passed a few years later. Um, yeah, I mean, like the obvious comps to, you know, L. Ron Hubbard and Scientology, like they're there on the surface, but you don't really need to focus on that. It's just more, I think the, the characterization of uh, Hoffman, Phoenix, and Amy Adams and just how the story weaves and how those actors can just kind of elevate this material and just inspire just crazy feeling and crazy thought. Um, it sounds like a PTA movie. That's because it is one. So yeah, the master number three for me. Um, I think it's a movie that really just holds up to rewatch just cause like you rewatch again and, and it brings you back to that feeling of, Oh, right. That's that thing I was hung up on that. Yes. Swiss yeah. me up again. Love it. <laughs> but yeah. Master um, number three. Yeah, n- I never really jived with the master, so this wasn't close. It's not for list. everyone, uh, no doubt. Actually, a- as you were talking, I was thinking of um, uh, a line from another PTA movie, Phantom Thread, that came out. W- were you sent here to ruin my life, Dave? Because are we really going to end this our, this list where we shared so many picks? With uh, I understand the acclaim for it. I, I have seen it. I- maybe I should give it another watch, uh, give it another chance. Definitely enjoyed your list. You want to just run 15 to one, then I'll do the same and do some honorable mentions real quick. Sure. Sure. So 15 for me was burning 14 moonlight, 13 calling by your name. 12 was get out 11 Mad Max Fury road, 10 arrival nine. Once upon a time, once upon a time in Hollywood, eight parasite seven, the wolf of wall street, six whiplash, five ex Mahina, four ladybird, three, the master Two, the social network and one, inception uh none of those uh every year is covered except for 2011 i have no 2011 picks hmm interesting um 15 midnight special 14 calling by your name 13 spider-man into the spider-verse 12 minding the gap 11 skyfall 10 avengers endgame 9 inception 8 get out 7 john wick 6 social network Five Whiplash, four Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, three Rival, two Moonlight, and number one Mad Max Fury Road. Uh, Dave, any movies you want to shout out before we wrap up that didn't make your list but you think are worth talking about? Uh, sure. Yeah. No. I mean, I mentioned some. You know, Sicario uh, mm-hmm. didn't quite make it for me. Annihilation, another yep. good one. Um, Edge of Tomorrow, as I said before. Uh, I want a special shout out the Grand Budapest Hotel, the best Wes Anderson movie of the decade, uh, best picture nominee, you know, a, a truly, a truly fantastic movie. Um, Mission Possible Fall, as I said, uh, first reformed Roma, uh, Birdman, uh, the town, uh, good time, uh, gone girl, uh, shoplifters, star is born. There's a lot of fantastic movies. And that's why I think like, again, making the initial short list was quite easy. Cause like they just come to you, you know, I love that. I love that. I still love that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, now there are some. Uh, one point I wanted to make too is, you know, I mean, we, I think we we have pretty varied taste. You know, we watch a lot of different stuff uh, apart from really horror. But you know, you watch, you read some lists right now, and ultimately you're going to see a lot of the same picks. But then there's also the lists that are, I think, just really like high minded. And I, the important thing is like me and you, we haven't seen a lot of international films, especially from the first part of the decade. Mm-hmm. Uh, just the overall independent space, you know, movies that didn't get big distribution. Uh, especially before we were doing this, we're just not on our radars as much. So there, I mean, there's just a lot of movies that I uh, just haven't seen that you'll like, see on the list. And be like, yeah, I've kind of tangentially knew that people thought that movie ruled, 
I just haven't seen it, you know? So mm-hmm. I'm just thinking of stuff like Amor, Zama. Um, I never saw Dogtooth from Yorgos, um, Tony Erdman, Under the Skin. Never saw Tree of Life from Terrence Malick. That's at the top of a lot of lists. Um, never saw Boyhood. Never saw Francis Ha from Noah Baumbach. Um, mm-hmm. Haven't seen most of the documentaries. But um, yeah, it's... Uh, oh, and one other thing I want to shout out too. A lot of important animated movies. You mentioned Spider-Verse. People know Pixar. But I think from uh, the anime side, uh, Studio yeah. Ghibli had you know two true gems. You know, Miyazaki with The Wind Rises and uh, Takata with The Tale of Princess Kaguya. I mean, two of the best anime films ever. And then also Your Name came out too, a movie that people fucking ride for. So this is a this is an amazing decade of film, especially the last five years in particular. So yeah, whether honorable mentions do you have? Um, I think you mentioned this, but Blade Runner twenty forty nine was up there for yep. me. Visually, just amazing movie. A Star Is Born. Um, yep. you know what? What a phenomenon that was. Um, The Farewell honestly has stuck with me, and it's yeah. definitely going to be up there in my list. And Good one. I think one of the most like moving small stories. Um, Cold War also yep. really has oh, stuck yeah. with me. Um, Thought provoking. Um, some some bigger movies like uh, Mission Impossible Fallout you mentioned. Mm. OJ Made in America, which got a lot of love at the time, and obviously La La Land, um, definitely up there. I wanted to ask you just because I know you had three Leo performances on your list, and do you think he he was like the actor of the decade, like, or do you have like an actor actress of the decade? Huh, that's a good question. Um, I mean, it depends on what you're asking for, you know, because like he's not the box office champ, but all those movies made a lot of money. He has to be my favorite. Yeah. Um, you listed three Leo performances uh, on your list, and it's not even the one that he won the Oscar for this year. That's right. And I do like or, The Revenant. A couple years ago. Yeah. So, I mean, pretty impressive decade for a guy. Um, Brad Pitt had a bit of a, a renaissance here at the end of the decade. and. Mm-hmm. Keanu as well it, f- for female, uh, you know, for actresses, female actors. I don't know if one person stands out. Amy Adams, maybe just for sustained quality. Sure. Yeah. Um, no, uh, early on Jennifer Lawrence, Jessica Chastain. Mm, um, yeah. Ultimately the problem is like, you know, actresses as they age get offered less and less good parts. And mm-hmm you just make one or two bad choices and next thing you know, it looks like you had a, a shit five years, you know, that's kind of up in the J law, you know, I don't think anyone has any problems or talent. You just picked a few bad projects and now we just aren't thinking of her in the same way. You know, it's a little unfair. Yeah. Um, like Jessica Chastain, I think Zero Dark 30, one of the best performances of the decade, you mm-hmm. know, and a fantastic film. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, who else would really stand out, you know, cause I think Lupita Nyong'o probably yeah, 12 years, Slave, one. Us, Black, Black Panther, Panther. Bit, bit very run there. Um, yeah. yeah it's, it, Nicole Kidman has kind of just always been around in, in decade with good wars movies. Destroyer. I think showed yeah. a different side last year. Um, I was going to say Destroyer was great. And Bombshell looks like, looks like it's going to be great as well. Yep. Charlize honestly might have her name in the conversation as well. You think about uh, Mad Max Fury Road, Bombshell, and then... Um, the one last year where she was like a Russian or two years ago. Atomic Blonde. Like, yes. yes, Atomic Blonde. She yep. fucking kills. Long shot. That. She's so good. Oh, and the, yeah. Long shot, obviously, this year as well. So everything she's in, she's so delightful. So mm-hmm. uh, a, a lot of a lot of the decade. Director of the decade? Uh, direct Jesus Christ. Um, 
so I only picked one movie from each director for mm-hmm. on purpose, but uh, a lot of a lot of tough ones, man. I think Paul Thomas Anderson or Scorsese mm-hmm. or Denny. Denny really had an impressive run. Um, also has great quantity with quality, which I think kind of helps you level yeah. the playing field when it's already that high up. Uh, yeah, I think I think those are my three. Yeah, I I would agree with those. Um, I actually don't know if anyone else comes close. I guess and, and Chazelle is in the top ten of that. Yeah. Easy. You know, I'm thinking we haven't seen 1917 yet. Depending on how good that is, Mendes might have. You know, Skyfall and 1917, depending on how good it is, could right, possibly sure. be up there. So interesting. Um, really great decade for movies. There we go. Um, any last thoughts before we wrap up our decade talk here? Also, shout out to Star Wars The Last Jedi, the most impressive blockbuster, franchise blockbuster of the decade for a lot of reasons. You can check our reviews on that. Don't need to get into why. People, and a great I film. Think, yeah, pe- people know the takes one way or the other, so <laughs> you know which one we have now. Um, yeah, I'm, I've seen more movies than ever the past two years, and I just continue to do so because there's just a lot of good stuff to see. So shout out Movie yeah, Pass, and- R.I.P., now AMC A-list <laughs> because I'm there all the time for good reason. Absolutely. Um, we're going to be doing best music of the decade and best TV of the decade. Not sure if that's the order. Might switch that around. Um, also going to be doing our best of lists at the end of the month and giving you your regularly scheduled nostalgia content. So hit that subscribe button and share us with friends and give us your best movies of the decade. Uh, we really would uh, love to hear what you're, what you've been digging. So uh, have a good peace out. I'm not leaving.